mosaic. If you wouldn't mind remaining standing, as you all are, um, as I read the passage for today. Um, when I'm finished, I'll say, this is the word of the Lord, and you guys can respond with me. Praise be to God. This is Luke 6, verse 37. Do not judge, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured out into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. He also told them this parable. Can the blind lead the blind? Will they not both fall into a pit? The student is not above the teacher, but everyone who is fully trained will be like their teacher. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye, and yet pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when you yourself fail to see the plank in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the plank out of your eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. This is the word of the Lord. morning. Happy Mother's Day again. Um, I want to just give you a couple updates and then we'll, we'll dive into the, the passage that we just we heard read together. Uh, first is uh, next weekend is a, is a really important uh, significant thing that is happening in, in the life uh, of our church uh, and it's called Focus Living Weekend and uh, we've been talking about it for a while and it's a uh, it's a Friday night, Saturday commitment that involves a, a, just an opportunity to assess where God has taken you into your life at this point, uh, and then to look forward at what God might be calling you to. As we have commissioned and sent out uh, people among us in our city to serve uh, Jesus and to lead for him in different ways, um, most of the stories that we have shared and the people that we've prayed for have experienced focused living, and it's helped clarify what God wants to do in and through their life right right where they are. So um, it, you have until the end of today to sign up. I think it's, I'm not sure on the price. I think it's, is it, does anybody know? Shout it out. 60 bucks, um, $60, and it's, uh, it, there's large group teachings, some time around tables, small group. Um, it's a really significant uh, moment. Uh, several of us have gone through it and experienced it. If you have not, um, you'll get a chance to meet a table coach and those around uh, the table with you and those that are going through the weekend as well. And uh, so if, if you can take a look at that, click online, uh, take a look at it. It's Friday night, Saturday. It's really meaningful, really important. The second thing is this. Uh, we have, uh, for the last, I think it's, uh, it's about 12 years. For the last 12 years, we have uh, had uh, leader and training cohorts, and uh, almost 100 people uh, have been equipped and developed as leaders through the leader and training cohort. Uh, we refer to it as LIT quite a bit. If you're around, you're like, what is that? That's what it is. It's, a, it's our way to invest in the next generation of leaders that will will serve God for their lifetime in a number of different ways. And as we have equipped and sent out over and over and over, this has been a, a key way that that's happened among us. And so um, as we were kind of coming out of that thing that won't be named uh, last summer, uh, we, had, we had put uh, our leader and trainer cohort on, on pause. It kind of gone on hiatus for about 18 months. 
And God just provided some, some leaders who were ready to step into that. And so really quickly, we, we kind of scrambled and said, let's start. Uh, and so we've got three men who have been serving and as leaders in training this year. One of them you saw up here is leading us today is Zeke. Uh, he's on guitar this morning. Uh, there's a, a Noah is in the back. and Chris helps out a ton. So these, these young men have, have stepped forward and been leaders in training this year. Uh, and so they kind of gone through a let's get it up and going again. Uh, and so thanks for being guinea pigs. You guys have been awesome and God's working in and through them in significant ways. Uh, we're now ready to open up an application process looking at next year. So it will start in late August and go through June. And it, what it is, it's an opportunity to be invested and poured into by uh, leaders here at Mosaic and pastors. It's a spiritual formation process that is coupled with a real opportunity to lead and serve others. Uh, and then there's also a spiritual mentoring component that goes along with that. Um, and so if that sounds like something that you're interested in, uh, you can go online and fill out the application that it's leader in training. It's a, uh, about a uh, 10, nine, 10 month commitment uh, that will start uh, in August and applications open now. So last thing is this. Kim, who was just up here, uh, is if you did, if you weren't here last week, you might have missed this. No, but I got, I got to bring Kim up last week and just share some significant that's going on in her life, uh, and that's she is going to take a sabbatical, a sabbatical for three months. And you're not sure about that. Clearly, that was that was very mediocre. So um, here's what happens, and maybe this is why there's, it's a mixed bag. Uh, when somebody goes on sabbatical, they they kind of go away. They're not here with us. And so it's going to be three months. Uh, Kim has served on staff here. Um, she and Jared and her family have been a part of Mosaic for about 15 years, but she's been on staff for about 14 in a full-time role, uh, well over seven years. And so uh, it is time for her. She's going on sabbatical in, I think it's three weeks from now. Yes, and, uh, and so we're going to say goodbye to her on, on May 22nd, uh, and she'll be gone. And uh, I just want to also let you know this, like, um, when, when somebody goes and takes a rest, it's, it's our way of investing in them for the long haul of their, of their service and leadership among us. And so she's going to go away uh, for three months, and God's going to do great stuff in her and give her a rest and give her time with family. Uh, and then she'll come back and, and serve and lead again here, and we can't wait for that. But part of it is this. Um, we know that, that uh, Kim loves us, and we love Kim. And so it would be very natural and normal to go, oh, fine, you finally get to put your work down, and we can hang out. Um, and so she, she kind of thinks that too, but we're going to leave that on her and give her the freedom and the empowerment to say, you go take a rest, and when you're rested up, then maybe you reach out and let us know when you're ready to hang out. So can we do that for her and with her? Yes, yes great. Okay, Kim's going on sabbatical. We're excited. Yay, Kim. There we go. Um, please give her a high five or a hug or just celebrate your cheer for her um, when, when you see her. Um, and if you don't know her, go, hey, Kim, goodbye. <laughs> that works. And then she'll be back in three months. Let's do this. Let's, uh, let's pray together and then open up scripture that we just heard read that God's leading us into together this morning. God, this is, this is our privilege to be with you in this way. We are stepping into your time and your moment, and you are here among us, and we are grateful to be with you. We want you to know that we think much of you, that we think you are amazing and good and gracious and powerful and just and loving, and you're present, you're here with us. 
And Holy Spirit, as we sang earlier, for some of us here this morning, it's, it's easy for us to say that, that we want more of you. For others of us, that doesn't come as easy. We're not sure if we want more of you in our life. That maybe we've been wounded or it's been a hard week or it's been a struggle or we've been disappointed or you've not shown up in the ways that we've wanted or anticipated or maybe you're just doing some new uncomfortable work in our life where you're refining us. And so Spirit, would you be present and active in this space and in this time, but more importantly, in our hearts and minds? Would you wake us up? Would you help us to be alert? And would you help us to be soft to the way that you want to mold us? So Spirit, we want more of you. And Jesus, we just sang the words together that you are the anchor of our soul. And while that can mean a lot of different things, it means that you are the one that holds us. You are the one that tells us who we are and why we matter and why we're valuable. And so would we hear that from you today? Would you speak that to us today and would we hear it? We pray all these things in your name, Jesus. Amen. Uh, we're going to look at a, uh, some of the most well-quoted, actually, check that, some of the most quoted words of Jesus, but maybe not the most well-quoted. Most frequently quoted, but maybe often slightly missed. Adjusted slightly to suit our needs, maybe what we're a little more comfortable with. Some of the words that Jesus said that are most repeated throughout human history. And then we're also going to see where Jesus is, is just funny. Jesus has a sense of humor. I don't know if you've considered that before, if that's crossed your mind, or if you've been reading scripture and they're like, is that okay to laugh at? But Jesus actually has a sense of humor, and it comes out. And so we're going to see something that is famous from Jesus, <clears throat> and we're going to see something that is funny from Jesus. And through these things, what we'll see today is this invitation from Jesus to aspire to be different. And there's two really specific ways that Jesus is inviting us and calling us forward to be different kinds of people in this world. The words of Jesus that we're reading today come on uh, what, what's known as the Sermon on the Plain or the Sermon in a Flat Place. Um, there's the Sermon on the Mount, which is on a mount, and then there's the Sermon on the Plain. And a lot of it is overlapped because Jesus talked about the same thing over and over and over and over again. He talked about the kingdom. And if that's a new idea to you or if you're not familiar with that, what Jesus was saying is this world, as beautiful and as good as it was created, is really flawed. It's really messed up. And so Jesus is saying, I'm bringing a new way of being in the world. And I'm not going to overpower the world. I'm not going to just come and conquer it. I'm going to come and I'm going to model and I'm going to demonstrate a good and different way of being in the world that offers hope and offers healing to a world deeply in need of it. <clears throat> and then what he does is he says, I'm gonna model this for you, and then as you take it on, as you embody this, you'll be that to other people. And so there's two ways that we're gonna see today. And one is generosity over judgmentalism. Generosity over judgmentalism. And the other one is humility over hypocrisy. These are not radical ideas that, that you hear and go, nah. We hear them and we go, oh, I aspire to that. Jesus has a very interesting way of introducing us to him and talking about him. 
So here's a quote that is, there's part of what we hear most often quoted from Jesus, but it might not be quoted accurately. It's in the first few verses that we heard. Luke chapter 6, verses 37 through 38. Do not judge. Do not judge, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Some of the most quoted words of Jesus of all time is, is, is don't judge. Or, and we translate that or we quote that as don't judge me. All right? Don't judge me. Uh, don't, don't judge. And he says here, uh, do not judge and you will not be judged. And, and so we like that. Don't, don't judge me. Don't judge them. You're being judgmental. You're being judgy. We, we say that, we quote that all the time, and then we attribute it to Jesus. And I, I, I just need to tell you that I, I'm not sure that that's, that's how Jesus intended it. At face value, and, and, and I get this, but at face value we say, don't, don't judge. So don't judge me. Uh, don't judge somebody else. Don't, don't be judgy. Uh, and then as we say that, um, if we actually understand what the word judge means, in saying that, we are, guess what? judging. Um, and here's the deal. Jesus, Jesus isn't actually saying don't ever judge. In fact, we can look throughout scripture and we can, we can watch Jesus' story unfold throughout the New Testament. And we see that, that Jesus judges a lot and he actually coaches and trains his followers to judge. We're going we're gonna to look at this story closely, but in, in just the next pages, in the next chapter of Scripture, we have this beautiful, amazing story of this woman who is judged all the time by those around her. And she shows up at a party that Jesus is at, and she anoints his feet with oil. Again, we're going to look at this closely in a couple weeks. But, but here's, here's what happened. is a, a Pharisee is hosting the party in order to try to get Jesus in a trap. Jesus knows what he's thinking, and he, he says this to him. Um, he says in, in Luke chapter 7, verse 40, 41, 42, and 43, two people were owed money to a certain money lender. Jesus is challenging this Pharisee, and he's giving him this little story. Two people owed money to a certain money lender. One owed him 500 denarii, and the other owed 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back. So he forgave the debts of both. And Jesus ends with this question. Now, which of them will love more? Simon the Pharisee replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. Jesus ends with, you've judged correctly. You've judged correctly. There's a correct way to judge. And the next book of the Bible is John. In John chapter 7, verse uh, 43, I think it is, it says this. Stop judging by mere... 24, verse John 7, 24. Stop judging by mere appearances, but instead judge correctly. There's a, there's a correct way to judge. So Jesus is not saying we don't ever judge. And in fact, the word judge simply means to make a determination. To make a determination, to look, to observe, to assess. We can add in the word to discern and to make a determination. And even within that word, it means to have the, the idea of naming something, to, to declare it as this, to, to judge something. We have to judge all the time. 
We have to judge all the time. We have to be discerning. We have to make determinations all the time. And next word he says not to do is not to condemn. Not to condemn. To judge is to make a determination. To condemn is actually to communicate it. To judge, judge, to condemn. Don't judge, don't condemn. I came across this statement this week that said, uh, to judge is the way that justice is determined. To judge is the way that justice is determined. And we, we all want justice. But in order to determine what justice is, we have to be willing to make a judgment. And so here we have these words of Jesus where he says, do not judge and you will not be judged. And we, we use that all the time. Don't be judgy. Don't judge me. Don't judge that person. And in so doing, we're actually doing the very thing that we're saying not to. And the truth is, is that we make judgments all the time and we actually need to. And Jesus says there is a correct way to judge. But he goes on and he says, forgive and you will be forgiven. Give and it will be given to you. To forgive would be to make a, make a determination on the inside, to make a judgment. I'm going to forgive you of something that you've done. And not only am I going to decide that, but I'm going to step into the very next phrase of Jesus and I'm going to choose to give. I'm not going to just say to you don't owe me anything back. Your debt is forgiven, but I'm going to take the step forward and I'm going to give and to be generous in the way that I give. And so what Jesus is doing is he's saying of these four words, judge, condemn, for, forgive, give. Two of them I, I, I don't want you to do and two of them I want you to do. Don't judge, don't condemn, do forgive, do give. Right? It seems like that's what it says. And I would submit to you, and I would say as we read the story of Jesus, as we read this radical teaching where he's saying, live in this completely different way, what he's actually saying is, do not be judgmental. Do not be known for judging and condemning. Be known for forgiving and giving. That's a little different kind of calling. Don't be known for being judgmental. So, as I say that, I hope that it, it registers to you in some way. I, I, I hope that it, that it logs in, that those, that those words kind of catch your ear. Don't be judgmental. That you realize and know with a sense of lament that in our time, in our moment, when we live in this culture at this time, followers of Jesus on the street are known by the term judgmentalism. We, I hope that's not surprising to you. I'm not saying that we look at each other and see each other as judgmental, and maybe, maybe you do. But in our society and in our culture, followers of Jesus, Christians, are known as a, some, some of the most judgmental people. And for good reason. Because a lot of us are judgmental. Because a lot of us go, we, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make sure I hear those words of Jesus of judge correctly, and I'm going to be really, really good at judging correctly, and I'm going to have everybody know that I judge correctly a lot, and I'm going to tell them all. That we've, we've been known by what we determine as right and wrong. When we, when we go to Scripture and we say, these are the things that God's calling us to, Everyone should live this way. This is right and this is wrong. And that is absolutely true. 
And yet the way that we broadcast it, the way that we talk about it, the way that we even embody it at times projects to those around us as being judgmental. And Jesus himself models so well and picks and chooses his moments to publicly declare what is right and what is wrong. And Jesus at times could have been observed as judgmental. And yet certainly that is not what he is known by on the whole. He is known by someone who gives and forgives and is gracious and is generous. And so what Jesus is doing here is he's saying, there is a time to judge and there is a time to condemn. But let's be known as people who are forgiving and gracious. Let's be known as people who are generous in the way that they view and treat other people. That we don't lead with our judgment and our condemnation. We don't delete it. We don't forget about it. We don't become oblivious to it. But we're known for, and we embody, and we exude, and we're known as those that are forgiving and gracious and giving. And that's why he, he paints this picture at the end. I, I uh, was thinking about this in, 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 in how I experienced this growing up. And we, we all grow up in different cultures, right? We all grow up in the, the home, the houses, the apartments that we've grown up in are, are in and of themselves different, different kind of cultures and, and family settings, right? And some, some are really good and some are really unhealthy and some uh, train us in really good ways and we get out in the world and we're like, yeah, my, my family really prepared me well for this. And then there's other parts of life that we go, oh, my family didn't prepare me well for this. And our families are different cultures, right? And, and as I became friends and through elementary school and, and middle school and high school, I began to realize like, oh, my family's not like everybody's family. In some ways, I really like it. In some ways, I'm kind of embarrassed by it. It's really odd. Mom, if you're watching this morning, um, it, this is just for illustrative purposes, so. <laughs> Happy Mother's Day. Um, I love you. Um, I, uh, in elementary school, my best friend's name was Steven. And um, uh, we, we lived not too far. We could ride bikes to each other's houses, and we'd spend each, nights at each other's houses all the time. Um, and I, I uh, as I went over to, to Stephen's house and got to know his family, it was different than mine. And one of the ways that it was different in the, is in the way that we handled dessert. In my family growing up, uh, dessert uh, came well after dinner, um, and if you ate your dinner, then you got dessert. And then if you, if, if, you know, when dessert came, and it was often ice cream, and uh, we would get bowls out, and my mom or my dad would scoop the ice cream, and it didn't matter which one it was, but they would scoop the ice cream, and they would, they would put it in, and I would remember watching it go into the bowl, and going, oh, good, oh, good. Maybe a little more, okay, 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 great. Or I'd be sitting in the family room, and my mom would bring it out and be like, thanks, mom, for the ice cream, this is great. And then I went to Stephen's house. And I went to Stephen's house and we'd be play throughout the day and go through lunchtime and hit maybe like two o'clock and we'd be playing outside. And he'd say, hey, do you want some dessert? I go, yeah, six hours from now, right? Like, can't wait. And he's like, well, do you want ice cream? I was like, I would love ice cream. Okay, we'd go inside. He would get the ice cream out. He would get the bowls out and he would start scooping. And, he, and then he would just, he would be scooping and I'd be watching the ice cream go into the bowl and I was like, 
this is better than Disneyland. This is awesome. And it was like this mound, and I was like, oh, awesome. Where do we have to go hide and eat this? Where do we go? And he'd go and he'd sit out on the couch. His dad would be in the chair there. We'd be watching TV at 2.05 in the afternoon. And his dad would look over and I'd be like, are we gonna have to run? He'd look over and go, hey guys. And I'd be eating this mound of ice cream. And I need to tell you that I was best friends with Stephen before that happened, okay? <laughs> it wasn't that he, I got all this. He, there was a sense of like abundance with the way that they handled their ice cream. This is not a nutritional recommendation at all. And if you live in your parents' home right now, they still get to decide how food gets delivered and, and dispersed, okay? But I experienced this abundance of like, they, they don't watch how much ice cream, they're not trying to make this carton last. I can't tell you how many cartons of ice cream on Saturday afternoons we put in the trash. Over and over and over and over and happened. And I went back to my home, made some suggestions. It never changed, because we had a different culture. Jesus ends with this illustration, and he says a, a portion measured, pushed down, shaken, and then to overflowing. And what he's saying is that when you're, when you're measuring somebody else, can I, can I use this word? When you're assessing, determining, judging someone else, and you, you're shaking it to get it all settled down and all com completely, exactly measured and you know what it is so that you can fit as much in there. Jesus says this like kind of just silly way of going, yeah, you shake it down, you get it all done so you can maximize how much is in there and it's all, it's leveled out. That's how they would purchase grain and if you're gonna pay for grain, you wanna make sure you get every, every grain in there. And he says, yeah, this is what I'm gonna do with you. I'm gonna shake you and, and pack it down and fill it up and, and level it out. And then you're gonna take it in your coat and carry it home and as you do, I'm gonna pour much more in there and it's gonna get messy and all over the top and it's gonna be mounted on top and all in your cloak as you carry it home. And you will have paid for this much but I'm gonna put all this in there. Jesus is saying, be generous. I'm generous with you. I've been gracious with you already. We talked last week, we ended in talking about mercy, and mercy is, is when you don't get what you do deserve. And you can think of it in terms of judgment, a punishment that you have earned that you don't get is merciful. And when we are merciful, as we talked last week, to our enemies, when we are merciful to our enemies and don't give them what they do deserve, we open up the opportunity to extend grace to them, which is actually giving an undeserved gift. And Jesus is saying, be known for being generous. And it, it, it can have a material attachment. It could be attached to things and possessions and money. But more importantly than that, be generous in the way that you're kind to other people. Be generous in the way that your spirit is gracious to those around you. And again, remember, this comes right as what we looked at last week when Jesus is talking about enemies. So it's not gracious to the neighbors that you love and who are kind and generous to you. It's to the very people that you would naturally not be generous to. To be generous to them. Be known for not being judgmental, but be known for being kind and giving and have a spirit that says, yes, I want to serve you. How is it that we can move from a place 
of being known for, whether it's, it's you or I specifically or not, of being judgmental followers of Jesus and to actually be little Jesuses that are the hands and feet of Jesus that look like and sound like and embody Jesus's love. That I'm gonna be generous with my kindness and love to those around me who are actually very differently than me, who might assume that I would judge them, who might even be in some way my enemy. How do we, how do we resist being judgmental to those that show up and that first thought within us is we judge. We make an assessment of them. I wrote down some, some ways that I think this shows up just for us naturally. The first is this, don't assume the worst of someone. Now, when we, when we encounter someone, we can't help but make an assessment to make an, a judgment of some kind. But to not assume the worst of that person and not to, not to speak only of the faults that we see. I, I know, as I wrote this down this week, of, of who this is in my life. I have faces, maybe not names, but faces of, of people that I know, like literal people, that I just realize I, I think the worst of them. I see one little sliver of their life and I make an assessment of their entire life and who they are. Being judgmental. They might not never know it from me, but it's a check that I can have in my own spirit. Don't assess entire life by the worst moments. That, that person that you've had you know, one interaction with or you just got to know them and this is how you experience them and you know, this, this is the worst moment and, and you just go, this is, this is who they are through and through. This is all of who they are. Don't always be looking for hidden motives. Don't always be looking for hidden modes. Imagine yourself in the same circumstances. Imagine yourself in the same circumstances. If I were where they are right now, how would I have handled that? If I found my, myself in their story, in their shoes, in their life experiences, with whatever that might be, how would I have handled that? And all of a sudden what it does is it begins to, to stir a little bit of grace in us, a little bit of kindness, a little bit of generosity. The way to be generous to others is what Jesus, the words of Jesus we read last week, of treat others the way you want to be treated, to proactively do that, not in a, resist, not in a negative way. Of, remember, don't, don't do something hateful to others that you don't want done to you, but to actually take proactive steps to be good. This can happen through a, a word that is spoken to somebody that you might feel opposed to, to someone that you are instantly, naturally, involuntarily judging, that you actually say, I'm gonna extend a kind word to you in some way. Jesus is inviting us to aspire and to pursue and to desire to be generous more than judgmental. And then he goes on and he has this funny, wonderful picture that he paints. He says this in verse 39. He also told them this parable. Can the blind lead the blind? Will they not both fall into a pit? It's a rhetorical question. Yes, obviously they would. The student is not above the teacher, but everyone who is fully trained will be like their teacher. And then he goes into this. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, Brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when you yourself fail to see the plank in your own eye. You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck 
from your brother's eye. This is, this is not new. We've, we've all heard this in some form or another. The speck in my eye, the, or the speck in your eye, the plank in, in my eye. And the, the interesting thing here again is uh, it, it actually takes a, a judgment, an assessment, a determination <laughs> to determine that I have a plank in my own eye. So much of this is about self-awareness and self-reflection and being willing to see yourself. And Jesus says this absolutely ridiculous picture. I mean, even saying it when he first said it on the Sermon on the Plain and he, he, he gives it illustration, like people probably chuckled, like that's so ridiculous that you would look at somebody else and say, you fix this about you, change this about you. It's this minor little thing. Meanwhile, I'm not aware of or I'm not acknowledging or none of my friends or family members have told me, you've got this going on in your own life and we all see it and we all, all know about it because it's sticking this far out and we all experience it. And you're not dealing with it and yet you're walking around pointing at other people and saying, do this. And so Jesus uses this over-the-top, ridiculous, hilarious, humorous example, this extreme example to get at the point that some, rather than looking at someone else, look at, look at your own life first. And you probably know this, but if you haven't heard it before, the word hypocrite comes from the theater, the Greek theater, and um, it means simply to be play-acting, to be an actor, to be putting on a performance, to be showing something that we all know is not true. We, we, we despise hypocrisy. We repel it. We, we, it's not safe. We run away from it. When we, when we see it in ourselves, we, we feel a sense of shame and guilt, or you should, in some level. We know that we don't like that, and it's not good to be performing in some way that's not genuine and true to who we are. And so rather than allowing that to go on in our life, that we actually take a moment. He's, all, these illustrations that Jesus ends with is, is saying, do you see yourself? Do you see yourself? If you're blind, don't try to lead another person. Take a look at yourself before you look at others. When we do that, our judgmentalism is actually turning on ourself, and we have to decide how and learn how to be gracious with ourselves. And because we're following the words of Jesus, hopefully we know the truth of Jesus. That says, when you look at yourself, see yourself as I see you, as a beloved, valuable child of God who is readily and quickly forgiven when we respond and say, I need help with this. I've got this thing going on in my life. God, help me to learn how to rid myself of it and change it. The interesting part of this is it ends with this. First take the plank out of your, out of your eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck out of your brother's eye. There's this call to humility and self-awareness over and over that Jesus is saying, because I love you, because Jesus loves each and every one of us, we can have the confidence, it can still be scary, but we can have the confidence to take a close look at our own life and to say, Jesus, what is it that you want to refine and change in me? How do you want to change me? Knowing and being confident of your love for me, I can change these things. And then we might actually see the speck clearly in somebody else's eye. That might actually be a real speck. That might need to be dealt with. But we deal with ourselves first. And so it's humility rather than and over than hypocrisy. That we would have the, the courage to be humble to look at our own selves. A quick definition of, of humility is an accurate assessment of who we are and who we're not. Of who we are and who we're not and to be hold, able to hold both of those before God.
Jesus is calling those of us who follow him, rather than to be judgmental in our world and among the people that we interact with, is to be generous. And rather than being hypocrites, is to take the risk of being humble before him. I want to invite you to, to walk to one of these tables that are on the side here, if you're at home watching, that you get elements that represent Jesus' body broken, and bread or a cracker, and his, his blood shed for us, juice or wine. And Jesus invites us into these because in these, he demonstrates that we are valuable, that he's given his life for us, that he's died for us, extending grace upon grace, mercy upon mercy, and wholeness and forgiveness are offered to each and every one of us. And so as we continue to sing, if you want to walk to one of the sides and grab the elements and take it with somebody and pray with somebody, if you want to walk back to your seat and take it right there at the table, however you want to do it, we've got room and space to do that now as we continue to sing and worship. Jesus, as we come to you, we admit that it's easy to tell others to not judge. And yet you've called us to something far more than not doing something. You've called us to be proactive, to be active and to lean in and to be generous. And so would you, would you help us to do that and to be courageous in the ways that we do that? Would we become known as your people who are kind of spirit, who are loving, who give, who are generous? And would you, would you help us to be aware of who we are and who we're not? Would we be truly humble and in so doing be winsome to those around us because we have you who have told us who we are and that we're loved? Would you help us to be your people, your hands and feet in the world today? We need you, Jesus, and we love you. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.